imagine you are on a freight. Well, okay, you're afraid, but you're doing it anyways because you're more afraid of not doing it. Imagine making your own rules, your own playbook, your own red light, green light on everything in your life, your beauty, your body, your health, your success, your entire freaking life. Imagine feeling fully heard and fully seen and exactly who you are, leaving no part of yourself uncovered. If you're ready for that, then you are ready for taking up space the podcast. Here, we are having the tough conversations and we're ready to heal our trauma. Not only are we sharing our stories, we are owning them, big time. In this space, we embrace ourselves fully, owning our bodies as they are, owning all of our uniqueness. No more playing it safe, no more staying quiet, and no more letting society or diet culture call the freaking shot. It's time we take up the space that is meant for us and make our own rules, define our own beauty, and define our own freaking lives. We all have space on this earth meant for us. We all have a story, a passion, and a purpose. And they're meant to be shared. They're meant to be heard. So let's take up space. Oh my God. So you're about to listen in on the very first story on the Fully Transformed podcast. Taking Up Space, the podcast, and we're going to be sharing Lindsay's story today, and and the conversation I got to have with her is just amazing. It was so beautiful. Lindsay is a true self-love, body positive, health at every size advocate, and she just is literally like a huge poster child for making up your own rules and living life fully authentically you and it's just so beautiful to hear her story where she came from um, what she went through and how she had her aha moment and and everything in between like I ask her some really great questions and she really just shares it all and I just think it's so beautiful so I really don't want to keep you waiting any longer Um, listen in on Lindsay's story and I will share in the show notes where you can find her Okay, dive in. Okay, so why don't you literally just start with the very beginning? Like, whatever you think the universe needs to know about you and your story and everything you went through as far back as you can remember that led you to where you are now with your, your self-love journey, accepting yourself, the, the whole kit and caboodle. That's a lot. Um, Honestly, I guess for me, it all kind of started, let's see, what is this, March? Yes. So last June, last June around that time, I um, I kind of just, it might have been Instagram. I was scrolling one day and I saw this whole concept about self-love. Quite honestly, it could have been one of your posts. However, um, it introduced the whole concept of, you know, you spend so much time cutting yourself down. What if you spend some time, um, like saying something nice to yourself instead? And so I, I kind of thought on that for a minute and then, you know, you click on one post and then if you're anything like me, you, you then start to research. So you start looking up, oh, well, what's body positivity? Because I had no idea what that was. I'm like, well, I mean, I guess I could probably take a guess, but you know, I started looking things like that up and the whole concept of it sounds really funny. You know, 
it's so much easier for someone to look in the mirror and be like, oh my God, you know, I don't like this and I don't like this. We're so conditioned to cut ourselves down that it almost sounds foreign body positivity to look at yourself in the mirror and say something that you like about yourself. Maybe not to everybody, but to me, it was extremely foreign. And we're going back to, I was probably like six or seven years old. And my grandmother, bless her heart, I mean, this is the way she was raised, but I spent a lot of time with my grandparents because um, my mom was a single mom and my dad was not always around. Um, And so she would say things to me like, at dinner, she would say things to me like, if I didn't inhale my food, like all at the same time, if I didn't hurry up and eat all of it, she's like, well, if you don't want it, you don't have to eat it. Well, if you're not hungry anymore, you, you don't have to finish it. Don't, don't play with your food. If you're not hungry, don't eat it. I'm like, well, I am hungry, but I'm just not eating it fast enough, I guess. So, you know, I got a little bit older. Um, and I was probably like, I don't know, fifth grade ish. And she started to, so I'm, I'm tall, obviously. Um, I'm tall and I always was taller than a majority of the kids in my class. I was different. And she looked at the reports from like my pediatrician and she would say, um, well, you know, the good old BMI chart, she'd say, well, she's too heavy for her height. And so she evidently assumed that I was unhealthy and, and I was not. Um, weight was always a really big thing for her. And so she tried to um, control mine, I guess. And so she started offering me money um, to lose weight. Oh my. Isn't that insane? I say it out loud now, I guess. And I've, I've written a couple posts about it, but it, it just, it's, I don't know. It sounds funny actually saying it out loud. So she would do things like, you know, how sometimes parents are like, well, if you get straight A's, we'll give you a hundred dollars. So she was like, I'll give you $20 for every 20 pounds you lose. Isn't that insane? Yeah. And like, and like I said, it was coming from, and I have no ill feelings towards my grandma today sure. at all. Um, but that's kind of like when it all started. So what, I don't know some of the most important times in a teenage girl, any teenager's life, you're forming your vision of yourself. And that kind of is like, when someone very close to you does that, it's kind of saying like, well, you're, you know, you're okay the way you are now, but you would be better off if you lost all of this weight. Right. So, yeah. So basically my entire life, me not knowing that I even had this type of vision towards myself until I was on Instagram one day and saw the concept about body positivity. And I'm like, really, this is a thing. This is, this is crazy to me. So I started researching it and I'm like, oh my gosh, I literally my entire life have been trying to lose weight to like myself. And hindsight I lost a bunch of weight before I got married and I still wasn't happy. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it makes sense. You know, the, the problem doesn't come from, you know, like what you think it does. You pick your body apart, but really the problem's internal, which yes, we know now, but I never knew that. I, 
I never thought about it until last June. Thank God for Instagram, I guess. But this is, yeah, this has been an ongoing thing my entire life. And so I just recently, within the last six months, quit, um, you know, trying to lose weight and just kind of literally accepting myself the way that I am now. And it has been one of the most freeing experiences of my entire life. Yes, it it (laughs) really it is with the clients that I've worked with and those that I talk to like yourself who go through this awakening, you know, and it is the very beginning of our journey, which is very profound. Like the realization that, you know, you just can't live that way anymore and that there's going to be a different way of living going forward. Even if you don't know exactly what that is, just knowing, just getting to that point, it is so liberating and it feels like a weight a physical weight is lifted, which is kind of ironic because we spent all of our previous time trying to physically weigh less. But now that we stop trying or stop putting the focus on our weight, we feel lighter. Yeah. And and it's just so crazy. And I, and I love how you point out, um, you know, it is bizarre and, and it sounds almost horrendous that, you know, she would pay you money to lose weight, but one of the biggest things too is that a lot of this stuff is not coming from a place of ill intentions oh, from yeah. loved ones, from friends. It's just everything that we've been taught and told and, and even the people, you know, like your your mother and your grandmother or whoever, when they're telling you these things, they're just telling you because that's what they were told. Absolutely. So the ill intentions start from diet culture and society, and then it just trickles down. And that's what, and it, I think it's so, it's, it's crazy, but it's profound. And I think one of the things about your story that's great, and I, I, I love, and I definitely want people to take away is that you just now, six months ago, realized like, what am I doing? There's a different way. You know, you just now started to realize you know, everything, everything that isn't, I don't know, that, that just isn't good, you know? And it's just, the reason it's crazy is because there's, if you just found out six months ago, how many other women out there are in your shoes? It's true. Just six months into their journey and maybe they haven't even, you know, realized it yet. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. It's just one of those things. It's, it's kind of earth shattering and extremely foreign to anybody. If they're anything like me starting out, you know, the, one of the most classic things, and I actually just had this happen today, a girl at work had said, um, you know, look at this before and after picture of this girl. And I was like, Oh, like what happened or whatever, before I saw a picture and she was like, oh, she lost like 300 pounds. I was like, oh, wow. Why? Like, what happened? Like, did she have, like, did she have a health issue? What, like, why did she? And they were like, well, no, she just, um, she had gastric bypass because she just like wasn't comfortable anymore. And I'm like, you know, it, it, and I tried to explain because I, again, the girl at work was like, well, she just wanted to, to do it to feel better about herself. And I'm like, but this before and after picture is showing her here at this weight, which is obviously heavier. And then here at this weight, did her insides change? <laughs> is she like a different uh, person, a d- whole different person on the inside now that she's lost 300 pounds. And 
it is, you know, I'm sure at 300 pounds, everybody looks different, but maybe she didn't feel her best. But I tried to get across to my, the girl at work. I'm like, why did she feel that she had to lose the weight to feel better? What physically maybe, but I don't know. It, it made, it made me sad, I guess, because I'm like, I've been there. Like I've been to the point where I'm like posting before and after pictures and time hop too. It is a blessing and a curse, but I see some of the pictures on time hop that I would post. Like, you know, um, I did the color run. Oh, years ago it was in October and I wanted to run a 5k just to prove to myself that I could do it. I hate running. Oh my gosh. I hate running. It's like if I could do any form of exercise and anyone who's ever done a plank knows I would rather do hours of planks than run. I just, it's not my thing, but why did I do it? Well, because I thought that it would help make me, you know, thinner and not the case, not the case, not the case at all. But when you're saying these things to people about, well, why did she feel the need to lose 300 pounds or why, why did she feel the need to lose any weight? to feel better about herself. They're like, well, because, and I'm like, I don't know. It's hard to explain, I guess, but it's a very hard concept for other people who aren't aware of this whole concept of body positivity and, you know, self-love and accepting yourself where you are so that you can move in one direction or the other, you know? Yeah. It's almost like when you're trying to get someone to kind of see a different perspective and it's almost like they're dumbfounded. Like, well, what do you mean? Why did she do it? Like, right. like almost like losing weight and wanting to lose weight and shrink your body is a no brainer. Right. Because that's where we've come in society that smaller is just better. Right. And I always try to frame it in the sense of, you know, when someone's kind of struggling to get it, I explain to them some, um, you know, eating disorder behaviors of like binging and purging and severe exercising and and things like that. And I say, you know, someone who is uh, morbidly obese on the BMI scale is praised for these behaviors, but somebody who is considered underweight um, by the BMI scale, this is considered anorexia. Yeah. So that should scare you. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And just touching on eating disorders, another thing that I learned along this wonderful journey is I didn't think that I had one because I wasn't throwing up all my food. I just wasn't eating. And I visited my doctor who also was on board with giving me medication to control my appetite um, and then praised me when I would lose weight. So everybody, you know, is telling me, oh my gosh, you look so great. You look so wonderful. And what are you doing? And of course, like in my head, because I had struggled so many years to lose weight when obviously I, I didn't need to, but I felt that I did. Um, I was finally able to do it, basically medically speaking, starving myself. So, you know, he prescribed this medication and he would give me a goal every month because it's a controlled substance. And so I would have to go to the doctor and weigh in. It was literally kind of like, was such a, the biggest loser. Mm. And I remember getting nervous before going to the doctor. I remember being like, oh God, because I would weigh myself before I would go 
to the doctor. And I would be like, okay, so this is how much I weigh with no clothes on, but I'm going to wear my jeans or I'm going to wear leggings because they wear less than jeans or they weigh less than jeans. And I'm going to wear this t-shirt and I'm not going to wear a coat. So I'm going to go and I'll weigh like the least amount so that I'll meet the weight goal that he had set for me. So I would go and I would have lost like 11 pounds or 12 pounds in a month when the goal was about like 18 or 19. And he'd be like, Oh, you know, you lost weight, but you didn't hit that goal. And I remember being so like disappointed and I would leave and he'd be like, okay, well you did good. Now there's different dosages of this medication. So, you know, you start out and then it stops working on your body because your body obviously is trying to Yes. And so it goes all the way up to, there's four different levels. And so he's like, okay, well you lost good weight, but maybe we'll level you up to the next dose. So then I would get onto the next dose of the medication. So then, you know, I would lose more weight the next time I went in. So this was probably in 2016. It was right before I got married, right before I got married, I was the thinnest I've ever been. Now I'm five, eight and a half. So I'm tall for taller than average for a woman. And I was at my lowest weight. I was like 155. It was awful. I know I look at pictures of myself now and like my collarbone, like you can see my collarbone and like my face is kind of sunk in. I, I, my wedding pictures, really my wedding pictures are that way. And I remember being so adamant about losing this weight before my wedding because hindsight now, I'm like, I'm only going to do this once. Uh, I'm not going to have to get married again. And I'm going to document this day. And I don't want to look fat in my wedding dress. That was, that was my thought. I don't want to look fat in my wedding dress. So I literally did all of this. Like I said, before I got married and looking at my pictures now for my wedding, I'm like, oh my God gosh, what was I thinking? So learning that just because you're not puking, any form of starving yourself or not eating or um, anything like that to lose weight. I was also going to the gym at 4 a.m. while taking this medication and just <clears throat> working out constantly. Sometimes I would work out twice a day. Mm. <laughs> it's insane to think about now, but that's what I, that's what I was doing because, well, because, because I didn't want to be fat. Yeah. That's like, the worst thing that someone can be. <laughs> yeah. That's literally what I was just going to say. Like fat's even a horrible thing. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. It's eating disorders are real. And I think a lot of people just aren't like me. I wasn't educated on it. I didn't know. I had no idea. Well, and you don't quote, quote, look sick, you know, right. like going back to like, we all have engaged in disordered eating behaviors, even if, you know, they're not like an extreme eating disorder, right? Because that's what society and diet culture pushes us to do. They want us to engage in these behaviors because they teach us simply that, that thinner and smaller is better. Better. So they can literally make money. Think about it. What you were just saying about that, um, that drug. Well, a pharmaceutical company had to make that drug. And what is the sole purpose of that drug to help people lose weight? Well, then the rest of the world has to do their part by convincing you that you need to lose weight. And here's all the reasons why. Right. You're constantly surrounded by it. 
you're, it's almost like you can't, there's nowhere you can go. Well now, I mean, now it's a little bit different, but most times, even still now, it's almost impossible to get away from. Even, even when you try, I mean, I don't have cable anymore, but I followed a lot of people on Instagram prior to this, um, who were doing just that. They were shrinking themselves to feel better, I guess, or to deem themselves worthy of something. But I actually, when I started doing this six months ago, when I came to realization of what I wanted to do and how I didn't want to feel anymore, I ended up unfollowing almost every single one of those people Mm -hmm. because they were just, they were doing what I did before. And I'm like, recognizing it now is unhealthy. And it's just, it's insane. So, but I will say within the last, since I've become aware of it, and I don't know if it's this way for people who aren't necessarily aware of, you know, all of these things, um, but it's so much, it's so much more widely accepted now. Um, Mm -hmm. All of these like figures, well, Lizzo, for example, I mean, it's blown up about her. Like she's, Mm -hmm a celebrity who is very much on board with this whole entire thing, self-love, body positivity. And she is not what the normal poster child has looked like in the past of someone who should be calling themselves beautiful because she's not small. Yeah. She's not what society has been saying is beautiful. Right. Right. And so it's a pretty big movement, but I feel like now, you know, so many more people are on board with it and making it a point to make it more known. I mean, at least that's where I'm headed with it. And I know you are too, but for all those people who aren't necessarily familiar with it, I think it's a lot easier to get acquainted with it now than it ever has been before. Oh, absolutely. I would agree a hundred percent. I mean, we still have a long ways to go and a huge fight to fight, but it's definitely better than, you know, 10 years ago, five years ago. Absolutely. Absolutely. So six months ago, um, you know, you kind of had this brown or ground breaking realization. What, and you know, in addition to unfollowing a lot of um, Instagram people, what else have you done? What, what really has changed for you? Um, you know, cause a lot of people start this journey and they, they do things like trying to get back to the intuitive eater they're born as and, and things like that. And it can be very tricky and difficult. So what has it really been like for you? Well, that's a really good question. Um, you're making me think. Um, so basically after I, after I discovered all of this stuff, um, one of the articles that I read said, figure out try and figure out, do the best that you can to go back and find out like why, when did you start feeling like self-conscious about your body? What was it? Was it a person? I mean, I was bullied all throughout elementary school, high school, not so much, but elementary school, severely bullied. Um, and my relationship with food, obviously, like from being really, really young was always, always like really messed up. So I had to really sit and think about the reasons why I didn't like the way I looked right now. What what were the things that made me think that the way I looked wasn't acceptable, that I needed to change myself? Um, And I started thinking about it. And I mean, 
going back in time. Really, it was my grandmother who put that idea in my head that smaller was better. And listening to her and the way that she talked about other people, I just deemed it as a negative thing. So it was reversing all of that in my head. Um, bigger is not worse. Smaller is not better. You are who you are. And sometimes that can be a really hard thing to do when you've been hearing and listening to these things your entire life. So I had to really go into my own head and find out why I was feeling so negatively about myself. So that's where all the positive affirmations came in. And, you know, you get rid of the things, you get rid of the toxicities, as many as you can. Um, I didn't get rid of my grandma, but I also don't live with her anymore. So I recognize the things that she says now when she does say something I'm, as an unhealed part of herself. Um, I recognize now when other people talk negatively about themselves that that's also an unhealed part of them. Um, and it took me a little while to start reversing those things in my head. Um, I had to heal my relationship with food, which books helped a lot, like mm. a lot, a lot. I'm currently, um, reading the fuck it diet by, uh, Carolyn, Caroline Dooner. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. I keep recommending it all over my social media because I was never a reader before this journey happened. Like, I would spend my time on social media and with my friends and I'm not a reader. Well, that's different now. I read all the time. Any spare time that I have, I'm reading. Um, and this book just talks about like, uh, you know, healing your relationship with food, you know, not deeming food off limits. And you start to read it and you're like, this is not right. This can't be right. Because she's literally the, some of the things that she tells you to do, she tells you to eat when you're not hungry. She tells you to, um, uh, I don't know, I think one of the things was to get your favorite food and to eat almost all of it, but to leave some like on the plate. And it's insane. I might be confusing some of this with um, in, uh, intuitive eating. Yeah. Yeah. But I read that book too. So food was always a really big thing for me too. So I had to, you know, go through that and heal that. And there's a bunch of steps, but I'm actually nearing the end of um, that book. So, I mean, I'll let you know what I think when I'm done with it. But so far, it's been great. She talks about the mental part, the physical part, the emotional part. Because a lot of people are like, well, I binge eat when I'm upset. And she kind of goes through it and tells you, well, that won't happen forever. If you've got to heal the part that's making you upset, which seems like it should be common sense. But it's so much deeper than that. So I had to heal my relationship with food and books helped a lot. Um, unfollowing those people on social media who just didn't have the same type of vision, uh, finding people who did have the same vision and following them. I have found so many people who are on this, you know, the same journey, you know, preaching the body positivity who are amazing, putting themselves out there, you know, through video and pictures and everything. I mean, everything I'm doing now, 110% would have never done this myself. It's all inspired by them. And then the way that I perceive it for myself. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing that I did, and I actually just did this last night, was I got rid of everything that doesn't fit me anymore. Yes. Hallelujah. <laughs> I mean, I have been holding on to some of those clothes for years. And what do we all say? well, I'm going to get back into it. 
well, I just, yeah, no. The stuff, I've been wearing probably the same six outfits to work because nothing else fits, which used oh. to be such, exactly, used to be such a huge trigger for me. I'm like, oh my God, none of my clothes fit. And I'm like, so throw them out and get new ones. Well, not throw them out. I actually take them to work. The girls at work, they, they love, I thrive off hand-me-downs. Sure. No I mean, it is what it is, but they don't fit me anymore. And so I'm like, here, you right. take them. I've got two brand new pairs of buckle jeans that I'm like, eh, I got to wear them one time. They don't fit anymore. Off with you now. Go to someone who can maybe get you on their own. Like I right. just, it is what it is. So I guess for me, like there was a lot of things that needed to be healed and it, it took some internal thought about kind of how I got here, why I felt so negatively. And it was, it was my internal voice. It, and unfortunately at that point it was the voice of my grandma and so once I got rid of that I kind of replaced it with my own voice um healing my relationship with food was a really big deal which again it's not like we're ever all 100% healed and like we're all better so okay let's go skip down the yellow brick road um healing is obviously they call it a journey because you have that day Oh yeah. You, you, you learn something new every day and you feel better some days, other days you feel worse. And the good news is, is that the bad days don't last forever and you kind of switch your perspective on things, but yeah, getting rid of all the clothes that don't fit me. I'm actually getting ready to go shopping here probably in a couple of weeks for stuff that I like to wear, stuff that's comfortable and stuff that fits me at this point in my life. Yeah. And when, you know, I always tell people when it comes to clothes that when you're wearing things that you feel comfortable in, you, you surprisingly feel more confident in yeah, them. Absolutely. We don't realize that. No, no, not until it's too late. I guess you put the jeans on, you go to wherever you're going and you're like, Oh God, shouldn't have worn these, especially when they don't fit right. So, yeah. I mean, so far that's where I'm at. Those are the things that I've had to do that I'm still currently doing, currently working on. Um, I can't really think of anything else really. Do you feel like, like, and you may have talked a little bit about, but like what your exact aha moment was, or like, they call it like your breaking point. Like, do you remember that moment? Um, I mean, it was probably, it was a mixture of things, I think. Um, okay. So it, now that I think about it, it, so I had gotten married in 2016. I had my daughter in 2017 and her father and I split in 2018. Our divorce was final. And I remember after that feeling extremely defeated. Um, because in my head, I was only ever going to get married one time. And now that I had not done that, and of course, I fully believed I will get married again, but it's going to be with the right person this time. Not It was right then, but we weren't meant to last forever, and that's okay. Um, but for me, in kind of the way that things went, I felt that it had to do with me in the way that I looked physically. So... Um, that was kind of like a big issue for me thinking that I wasn't good enough. And so this is why it no longer, we're no longer together, which is not the case was never the case. There were so many different factors. And at the end of the day, we just weren't supposed to be together. But looking back at it, 
I was single for an entire year and then I met someone and it, it was different. It was different than other relationships that I had been in, but it moved kind of fast. And so some things happened there too. It was, let's see. So it was about four months long and something happened with that relationship that it really set me off and we were, we were done in four months we were finished, but I was like, is it me? What's wrong with me? Like, why mm. is this happening? Like, is it me physically? Is this the problem? Is, is the reason why my relationships keep ending because I'm not good enough physically? Like, I don't understand. And my best friend, bless her heart. We've been friends for 20 plus years. Um, she, uh, she sat down with me the day after it all happened. And she's like, listen, she's like, it is not your fault. She's like, this is not your fault. She was like, you are beautiful. And she was like, I don't know why this is happening, but it's not you. And quite honestly, thinking about it, that last relationship and the way that it did end and then listening to her say that, I don't, I don't know if I had like a revelation or if I just got tired of thinking that I was the problem, but I, something snapped and I was like, you know what? You're right. You're right. You know, I had just bought a house. I was feeling so very much on top of the world. I had, you know, done it on my own. There was no one, I mean, friends and family, obviously, but for me to get divorced in 2018, 2019 buy a house and get like a, have a vehicle in my own name and not have to share that with anyone. I was feeling pretty on top of the world. Yeah. I feel like when she sat me down after that last relationship ended in the way that it did end, um, I just, I did, I thought I was the problem and she's like, you're not. And I guess it doesn't sound that remarkable, but I was like, I guess that's it. There is nothing wrong with me. I am okay the way I am. And so from that point forward, I was just trying to figure out maybe why I didn't feel that way. Mm -hmm. Um, so I guess it was kind of like the last relationship I had, which thinking about it now is, it was about a year ago. Yeah. Yeah. I think our, those moments are so powerful. And I always ask that question to, to people in my clients because it doesn't seem like a huge moment, but when you think back and really think about it, it is one of the most powerful moments. I mean, mine was over ravioli. So <laughs> it, mine can't be that much more special, but I was tired of contemplating if, you know, eating ravioli or being thin. So I said, F it. I can't live like this and there's, there's gotta be another way. So I want to eat ravioli and enjoy it and be okay afterwards. Yeah. I was like, if, if that's, if this is how I'm going to look for the rest of my life, but I can eat ravioli, I'm okay with that. Exactly. Right. And, and that, that's, that sparked my journey. So trust me, they're, they're not profound moments, but they really are the most magical and meaningful moments it because is. they, they transpire this, I don't even know what you call it, but I always tell people once you have that moment and it clicks and, and I see this with all of my clients, there's no going back. Nope. Once you see it, even as difficult and troublesome as it can be and how, how bad those bad days can feel, you don't go back. You can't go back. No, no, because you recognize it now. 
you recognize it as how, like, I don't know, I guess the whole, the thing that comes to my mind, I'll see pictures of myself or things that I posted about how I wasn't losing weight, couldn't lose weight, was busting my butt at the gym. And I'm like, why were you so focused on that? Like, I wanted to shake myself and be like, what's wrong with you? Stop Uh it. You're okay. But yeah. ah. (laughs) So yeah, I just, I don't know. It's, it's tough. But once you have that moment, you just, you're right. There is no going back. Yeah, definitely. So now that you have started this journey, what in the last six months do you feel like has been the most difficult? Like what do those bad moments or bad days consist of and, and how do you move through them? Let's see. Let me think about my last bad day that I had, you know, and, and I guess the nice part too, sitting here now having to think about it, that's a good thing. Um, because they are fewer and further between than they were in the beginning. I mean, in the beginning, you know, you have these good time, these good days, and then you have like a series of bad days and you don't think that they're going to end. And then you have another really good day. And now they're so far and few between, it's hard for me to think about, but I do have them for sure. I guess the last one that I can remember is, let's see, I was getting ready for work and I was, it's neither here nor there, but I was having a lot of trouble with my IUD, which I don't have anymore, but it was giving me these awful symptoms, awful symptoms. And I was way bloated all the time. And I remember looking at myself in the mirror, I was wearing leggings and I guess the best way I can compare it is I was, I mean, I have my daughter, so about four months being pregnant (laughs) is what my stomach looked like. I was exhausted. I was tired. I had started doing yoga, but I couldn't even do that anymore. I was too tired to get off of the couch to spend time with my daughter after work. Like it was, Mm. I was feeling, I was feeling real bad. Um, and here, and here I was every day preaching to everyone, like, you know, you have these bad days and embrace your body. And I felt awful because I wasn't doing that. I couldn't do it. And I remember looking at myself in the mirror and the positive affirmations kind of came to mind. And I remember looking at myself and being like, it's okay. It's okay. What's the worst thing that's going to happen? Yes, you feel this way today, but it's not going to be this way forever because at that point I had a plan in place to take care of that whole issue and stuff like that. And I'm like, once it's gone, you're going to feel better. It's okay. Um, I'm trying to think. I really just, I kind of, it's, it's hard to remember. Cause like I said, it's been so long since I've had a bad day. Like that was, that was probably over two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess for me, and the one thing that I tended to do on my bad days is I started posting them on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I started, them. yeah, I started because I'm like, I'm not the only one obviously that feels this way. And I'm not the only one that has bad days. If you're only posting all of the good things that happen, and I'm not saying everybody has to do this, but for me, 
I felt so much better when someone would comment on it and be like, oh my gosh, yeah, I, this just happened to me yesterday. Thank you so much for posting this. Or, oh, I needed this today. I'm feeling really terrible too. Thank you so much for posting that. For me, that makes me feel better. On my bad days, claiming them and putting myself out there seems probably hard to some because it's an extreme level of vulnerability that I didn't have until just recently this year. But kind of letting everyone know like, yeah, it's a bad day. And having them identify with me kind of helps me to feel better too. Because when you do have those bad days, you feel so alone. Like you feel like crappy. You don't really want to like talk to anyone, especially tell them that you're having a bad day because you just feel (laughs) yucky. So sharing them, I think, is how I made it through the bad days. I would post about them. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely feel much more alone in our fears and in our negativeness, if that's even a word, um, than we really are. Yeah. Yeah. And remembering to look back, too, um, it's like the two to six month rule. Um, you look back two months ago at what you were doing and you forget to see how far you've come. So again, six months ago, two months ago, I'm in a totally different place today than I was two months ago, which is weird to say, but emotionally and spiritually, I'm in a totally different place than I was two months ago, six months ago, unrecognizable a year ago. I don't even know who she is. Like, so remembering to, I'll, I'll take time on bad days to reflect on where, where I was because you forget, you look so far ahead that you forget to see how much progress you've made, which is honoring your progress in a journey like this is extremely important. And I feel like a lot of people forget to do that, including myself. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, what do you feel is the biggest piece, the biggest contributing factor to coming so far in, in a short amount of time, because, you know, some people might be listening to this story and thinking, okay, well, I'm six months long, but I don't feel I'm that far or, okay, I'm two years into this and I'm still really struggling. I feel like, you know, how did you come so far? So quote, quote, so quick, not to compare your story to anybody else's, but you know, what, what do you think was the biggest component there? Uh, 100%. 150 trillion bajillion percent my daughter Mm -hmm. all the way all the way every single day and it's hard too because I guess if you you know if you're not showing up for you in the beginning you sometimes you show up for someone else like if you have a sister a friend if you don't have anyone to show up for that kind besides yourself that kind of makes it a little bit harder too I guess I can't relate but I swear I had my daughter, she saved me. Like I always, 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 almost in any decision that I'm making these days, like I think about what would I want her to do? Um, and it's kind of funny because even in like relationships, um, my best friend and I, you know, we're both single, we're pushing 30, you know, all the stuff that we've been through this far, I always look at her and I'm like, listen, if you really need help making this decision, what would you want Brinley to do? I mean, she, claims my daughter is her own all the time, but I'm like, what would you want her to do? Would you want her to make that choice or would you want her to make this choice? Would you be angry with her for doing this because she's kind of selling herself short and 
what would you want her to do? And me growing up the way that I did and the influences that I had around me, I don't ever want her to feel the way that I, I did. I didn't know I was feeling bad until I got older, but as a kid, I mean, there's all different kinds of things she's going to be exposed to, but I want her to have grown up in a household where she feels strong enough to face those things and instead of being heavily influenced by them, be the one to kind of be like, oh, well, that doesn't seem right. This kind of seems like it's making me feel like I shouldn't be the way I am or look the way I am. And that's not okay with me. So I'm going to choose not to feed into it. You know, kids in general, I mean, that's what I do. I'm with kids all day long. So there to see them from infancy all the way up until school age, we serve kids um, at my job. They're so impressionable. Mm-hmm. You know, watching, watching some of the preschoolers, I mean, bullying very much begins in preschool and it's even in its mildest form and it comes from like the way they look at each other physically if someone's different you know we're we're constantly trying to you know fix that in our classrooms but that's either here nor there my daughter my daughter 100 percent. i i show up for myself every day obviously now but i want to also be the best that i can be for her so for sure my daughter. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I can even take that a little step further and see that too, for even those of us like myself, I don't have kids, but I think all of us can agree that we just don't want the younger generations to be in this same position when they're our age, you know, cause there's women who are in their teens, they're in their early twenties. They're like us pushing 30. They're in their thirties. They're in their forties. They're in their fifties. They're in their sixties. And they're doing this work. And we don't want, I'm sure I can, we can speak for all of them and say, we want a different way of life for the next generations. We don't want them to feel this way, be told these things. We just want it to be different for them. Absolutely. I say all the time, if I could have had the influences around me and via social media, however you look at it, if I could have watched these women, people in general, when I was younger and growing up, I would have never, I'd be, obviously we'd all be totally different people, but to have the, all of this positive influence around at such a young age, if I could, I want, I want to be that person. I want to be that person for as many people as I can, because I didn't have it. Just wasn't a thing back then. Maybe it was, but I didn't know about it. I mean, either. <laughs> Me neither. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, so this podcast recently went under a name change for good reason, and it is now called Taking Up Space, the podcast. So with that, I have one more question. Okay, I'm ready for it. What is your definition of taking up space? Oh, this is like one of those journal questions that your teacher pops to you and <laughs> you got to sit there for like 15 minutes and really think about it when, you know, the answer is probably really easy. Let me think about this for a second. Well, quite honestly, existing here being the absolute best version of yourself that you can be. 
being 110% you. Yeah. Unapologetically. Like just being yourself, taking up as much space as you need to, to do all the wonderful things that you were put on this earth to do. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Well, thank you so, so much for sharing your story and having this lovely conversation with me. No problem. Thank you. It was beautiful. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know you yet, um, but need to, where can they find you at? I am on Instagram. Uh, I am on Facebook, Love Always Lindsay. And I'm, yeah, that's about it so far. So far, that's where I'm at. And that's your handle for Instagram and for Facebook? Yes. Love Always Lindsay. Okay. Yep. Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you so, so much. Yeah, no problem. Ugh. Lindsay's story is just so beautiful and so powerful. And I am just so thankful that she took the time to share her story with me and with all of us. And that you got to hear the beauty that comes when we just share our stories and share our ourselves. And if you love this story, if you love Lindsay's story as much as I did, take a moment and share it on Instagram. Share it in your stories. Tag us. You can find me on Instagram at the Amanda Murphy. You can find Lindsay on her Instagram at lovelindsayalways. Or you can head on over to iTunes and leave a rating and review because your feedback is just so magical. And that's how these stories are going to reach so many more magical lives. And yeah more magic, more stories, so much more to come. Stay tuned. Love you, babes.